Good morning. Buenos dias. This is Robert Carrillo here at Metro Vision, and uh, we're on uh, day four. I want to say good morning to all you faithful few that are still getting up early and and uh, either going off to work or just setting yourself up for a nice, long, quiet time. Uh, whatever reason you're up, I'm glad you're up. It's good to be together. It's good to uh, be able to connect even via camera. Um we are uh, going back to uh, the study that we started the day before yesterday. Yesterday, I jumped in. I was asked to share some of the things that I've done with my fears and worries and stuff. So that's what I shared yesterday. But I'd like to get back and finish the study that we started on Tuesday, which was uh, uh, the day before yesterday. Um, and uh, we were actually on the second point, And the discussion was on understanding and knowing God's love. Uh, you remember we had started out in Ephesians about knowing how deep and how wide uh, God's love was for us through Jesus, and um, you know it's it that is that is actually is actually really really important. It's not something we generally think about as Christians that oh you know how well do I understand God's love, but it is it is something that is behind everything. It's foundational. Our faith stands on it on it. Uh, honestly, our self-esteem, our confidence, our hope, there's so much behind, there's so much that is upheld by how well we understand God's love. And the older I get as a Christian, the more uh, the, 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 the more I see how important that is uh, for our development, our spiritual development, but even our emotional development and, and our level of confidence and not only in the church and in the Bible, but just as human beings, you know, I think that our whole life, Satan is always lying to us, always trying to deceive us, always trying to make us feel worthless, unimportant, alone. These are all lies that that uh, Satan is constantly feeding us. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of us grow up and, and we hear that through different people. And some even hear that from people like parents or, or siblings or, or friends or, or just bullied that way at school and, and have developed a belief in that. That becomes part of their belief system, part of who they think they are. And, um, and it's a big lie. It's a big lie from Satan that uh, God wants you to know how valuable you are, how, how, how meaningful your life is, how important your life is, and that you are not an accident of the universe. You were made in his image. You're here uh, with a purpose, with meaning, and you're incredibly valuable to him. And if you were the only person on the earth, Jesus would die on a cross for you. That's how that's how valuable you are. And, and that's not just positive pep talk, and it's not just feel-good uh, theology. It's it's real theology. It's it's understanding the truth, and the truth that if you cling to makes you a disciple. The truth that sets you free. Uh, I think uh, it sets you free of the lies that Satan feeds you and and tries to, in a very real way, hold you back and hold you down with deceit. So. So this study is important, and it's it's like it's it's it, I liken it to watering uh, your plants or watering your trees. I've got a set of orange trees and lemon trees that I've uh, planted about two years ago in little pots, and then bigger pots, and 
and I hauled them up here to Los Angeles with me, and and I water them. I, I I pour water in. I don't see how that water. It's not visible to see how that water uh, helps the roots, and the roots uh, pump up water into the branches. The the branches right now. It's early spring, and my my citrus trees are all starting to blossom. They've they're, they've got flowers opening up, and you can see little tiny lemons and little tiny oranges. And and I don't see all that happen, but I know it does. And I know that if I don't water them, um, they die. They wither. They don't do well for a while, and then they slowly die. And I had that happen on one of my long trips with Hope. Uh, I had already forgotten to water an avocado tree that we grew from a little seed, and I came back, and it was dead. It was thoroughly dead it had been about a month without being watered in the middle of the summer and um again didn't see how all that happened but i know it does and that's the way it is with understanding and knowing and growing in god's love you don't necessarily see how it affects you uh but it does and it affects how you think and how you understand god and how you see god the confidence you have the depth of your relationship with him um, all of that is affected by your understanding and the knowledge you have of God's love. And so it's it's incredibly important. It's important as Christians that we continually grow in that. You know, I, I would say honestly that I've probably grown in this the most in the last five years. Probably the first five years of being a Christian, I grew a lot, you know, in this understanding. But then in this last five years, as, as I've dug deeper in theology, and now even in uh, uh, spiritual development and uh, spiritual formation, I'm just seeing so much more how it affects us. And again, it's not just feel-good, mushy-mushy Christianity. In fact, the, the, I think that in many of us, there's even a little bit of a mistrust that, oh, if we talk about God's love too much, everybody's just going to go fall into sin and think they can do whatever they want. And, um, and I get that, and, and there will be some that do that. But most of us, and especially the older we get, most of us are very aware of how sinful we are. We're very aware of how much we need God and his grace and his mercy. Uh, it reminds me of the scene when Jesus uh, stands up, I believe it's in John 5, when he stands up for the woman caught in adultery, and he says, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says that they began to leave the older ones first because the older ones know that there's no way I'm free of sin. I'm I'm as guilty as guilty can be, and and so we are more appreciative and more sensitive to understanding God's love, and it affects us. This is the impact of grace and how grace. Uh, should motivate us and move us and change us. But you have to understand the truth. And so that's what we're doing here. We're studying out the truth about how God feels about you. And uh, I'm jumping to point one was that God's love was intrinsic to his nature, that, that it is who he is, right? Um, he can no more stop loving you than he can stop being God. Um, and uh, point two is that God's love is universal. And we started talking about that and we stopped there. Um, I left, I believe, with this script, with this scripture and this slide, uh, all the nations, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, uh, what a day that's going to be, right? He will sit on his glorious throne. 
All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, if you if you recall, this this is the parable of the sheep and goats, and and in one sense it's a terrifying moment, but not if you're a Christian and not if you're doing what you should be doing, which is helping the poor and needy. Um, it's going to be a great day if that's what you've been doing. Now, if you haven't been doing that, yeah, it's going to be a terrifying day. And um, but what I want to pull out of this is how all the nations will be gathered before him. And, you know, if you read in Revelation, you see how all the nations are gathered before him. The name, the book of life is open and all the names are called and people will come from every nation. That was that was what was being said from the beginning in Acts chapter two, when 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 the church was established and he was reading from the prophet Joel that your sons and daughters, your you know, that from the Gentiles as well as the Jews, that all of us, all of us are loved by God. All of us are called by God. You are called by God. Maybe all of us is too big of a concept, but you need to know that you are called by God and you are supposed to be with him. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And what I want to point out with this scripture, because here's this is a scripture where Jesus is actually defending himself, you know, and he's 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 critiquing the people, the crowds, because you know, they're they're saying this, you know, that he's a friend of that he's a glutton, he's a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But what I want to point out is what they criticize here, that he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And that one we know to be true. We know he wasn't a glutton or a drunkard. But we do know, because it's recorded, that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And even that in itself tells you something huge about God. You know, most of us, uh, when we think of religious people, <clears throat> we think of religious people, we think of people who tend to be judgmental, tend to be self-righteous, tend to be legalistic. Um, most movies today portray Christians as horrible people. I mean, if there's if there's a movie uh, and there's a religious per- person in it, it's most likely some self-righteous, condemning evil person who judges everybody and just a weirdo you know and if it's a monster movie they're probably the first going to get eaten you know which i think is kind of tells you a little of the psyche of uh of the general population and how they think about christians and and i'd, I'd like to just say well that's all because they're sinful or something like that but i think in part we created that image and i think religious people through the ages have been self-righteous, judgmental, and legalistic, and hypocritical, and and so we, we, we've kind of gotten back, our own sin is, is struck back against us, and I think all the more reason that, that, that we understand how important it is to be loving, and to be reaching out to our neighbors, and to be caring about others, that's the way Jesus was, he wasn't self-righteous. He wasn't judgmental. He's a judge, but he wasn't judgmental. He's the only righteous one, but he wasn't self-righteous. He's the one that is the living law. He's the fulfillment of the law, but he wasn't legalistic. He was loving. And those two are connected. Understanding God's love, feeling God's love, being aware of God's love, and being able to love everybody. I mean, in in, in one sense, 
It's it's God who fills your love tank. I mean, a lot of us read that the the languages, the five languages of love. We understand the concept of you got to fill up your love tank so that you can provide to others. And if your love tank's empty, you got nothing to give. Well, it's walking with God and knowing God's love that fills up our love tank, that helps us to have something to share and something to give to over and to be able to overcome. The prejudices and the racism and the hatred and the mistrust and the fears that are out there. And we know they're out there. Um, so God's love is universal and his compassion is on everyone. Um, you know, I, I, there's just some there's some wonderful examples in the Bible. Uh, I just pulled a few, but the, the woman at the well, I mean, here's a socially unacceptable situation. A wo- woman's a Samaritan woman, and Jesus just loved her. Jesus just cared about her, reached out to her, got right into her personal business, reaching out and challenging her to get her life right because he loved her, not because he was self-righteous or wanted to bully her or control her, but because he wanted to help her. He took pity on her. Uh, The woman caught in adultery, of course, John 8, not John 5, John 8. Um, The Syrian refugees in Matthew 4 that they heard about what he was doing. It's ironic that you know, when uh, when uh, a few years ago, working with Hope, I was going around Syrian refugee camps helping the refugees, and and then I came home and found out that there were many refugees being brought to my hometown in Al Cajon, California, and um, in both situations, I got uh, criticism and even some hate mail. Uh, at the REACH conference when I shared about reaching out to the Syrians, to the Syrian refugees and bringing them food and 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 serving them. My daughter and I went all over Turkey uh, reaching out to Syrian refugee camps with, uh, with the Swansons from the Munich church. And uh, I got hate mail over that. You know, why are you helping the enemy? Why do you serve the enemy? Don't you know they're the enemy? And and the irony is that morning I had read in Matthew 4 how the, it says that the Syrians heard about Jesus and they came to him and he healed them. They were not Jews. They were not of the same religion. They did not recognize necessarily who he was or who God was. Yet he loved them and he served them and he healed them. You know, the, the Italian soldier in Matthew 8, now I know we think of him as the Roman soldier, but he was Italian. He wasn't Jewish. You know, the... The, the fallaway kingdom kid in Matthew 9, a.k.a. Matthew, you know, who, who became the great evangelist, who planted churches all across the Middle East, churches that still claim their, 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 their origination from him, from his planting. Um, he was the kingdom kid who went bad, you know, turned his back on his people, was working for the enemy. Probably the the shame of his family, probably the embarrassment of his dad, um, probably not invited to the weddings and the family gatherings. And Jesus sees him in Matthew nine, and and says, "Follow me," and picks him to be on his mission team, makes him one of the apostles. And of course, that's when the um, the Pharisees were watching him, and they said, Do, "Don't you realize who you're eating with?" They criticized him, and that's when Jesus turns to them and quotes Hosea, saying. Uh, I desire, go find out what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Um, really challenging them to, to, to think about their religion. What does God want? Of course, that scripture in Hosea 6, uh, it's, it's, 
It's a bit of a challenge because who did ask for sacrifice? Was it not God? And yet he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, which I understand to mean that what's most important is that we're loving. The, the, the word mercy is hesed, which is also translated love and lo- loyalty and devotion uh, to God. But um, And then, of course, Zacchaeus, the, another tax collector, you know, another Jew who went against his people and hated by everybody. Um, and Jesus loves him, stops him, stops, says, I'm eating at your house. I mean, nobody else is going to his house. And you know how Jews were about stepping into Gentiles or sinners' houses. They would not do it because it would make them unclean. And here Jesus says, I'm going to your house. And and just loves them, sticks his neck out, sticks his reputation on the line for that. Just for Zacchaeus because he loved him. And thankfully, that's the kind of God that we serve. I mean, Jesus came to show us what God is like, right? Um it, there's uh, uh, the, in, in Colossians 3.11 he says um, here there's no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave or free but Christ is all and is in all you know in in this time period we live in now the time of diversity and we're becoming very sensitive to diversity they were radically diverse. <laughs> the church was radically diverse in the first century. We read that and we think, oh yeah, of course, you know, when we're used to that. We go to school, there's there's Jew and Gentile, there's you know, Mexican, there's Hispanic, there's Asian, there's African American, there's Caucasian, there's Pacific Islander, and they're all in the same classes, at least definitely here in Los Angeles and in many places in the country. It's like that. But but back then this was completely radical. That you were, or you, there were social systems in place to keep people separate, and so it was, has been in this world for the last couple thousand years. Until recently, it's beginning to change. But in the church, there was diversity from the beginning because that's how God is. God does not look at those things, right? God loves everybody, regardless of their gender, their race, their religion, their age, ethnicity, their culture, their personality, their social background. God loves everybody, and he cares about everybody. I I love this quote from uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, He said, we may have all come in different ships, but we're in the same boat now. And I love that because that's the way it is on this planet. Whether you're talking about the planet Earth, or you're talking about our city, Los Angeles, or you're talking about any part of the world, that, that we're all in the same boat now. And to separate according to language or skin color or ethnicity, uh, even religion, is just stupid. Um, and, and God loves everybody and is reaching out to everybody. And yes, of course, he wants everybody to know Jesus. And he wants them to know the true Jesus, the Jesus, Jesus of the Bible, uh, the Jesus of John 14 and John 15. Um, he wants them to know them because, again, because he loves them. So God's love is unconditional. Is the last point, you know, that... that um, in Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, he didn't die for us because we were such great people. And a lot of us, you know, because of our upbringing and a lot of us because of our religious background, myself included, we, we, we tend to think backwards. We think uh, because 
um, because I'm a Christian, I'm going to try to do good so that God will love me. I'm going to do great things for God so that he'll love me. I'm going to sacrifice so that God will love me. That's backwards. That's putting the court, the cart in front of the horse. Because God loved me, because God loves me, I try to live a righteous life. I try to, to walk the narrow path. I try to be a good person, love my neighbor, and love those that God puts around me. Not the other way around. I don't try to be a good person to earn God's love. You already have it. You don't need to earn it. It's there. A mother holding a newborn baby, the baby doesn't have to act right to win her love. Her love is intrinsic. It's who she is. It's her heart. It's her being, right? It's the example that that God uses, that like a mother with her chicks, right? Uh, and, And he says here, in our weakness, in our sin, God loved us. So it's not just when we do great. And again, that doesn't give us a license to go out and sin. It should actually give us an inspiration to go out and do what's right and serve and and, and be what we want to be. There are things that bothers God. There are things that get in the way. Um, it doesn't mean God stops loving you. He will discipline you. There are things that bother Jesus. Uh, hypocrisy bothers him. When we say one thing and we disregard it, and I'm not talking about weakness when we fall and mess up and then we get up and repent. I'm talking about just calling ourselves a Christian and living however we want to live, a disregard for the word of God. That's hypocrisy, uh, doing whatever we want, you know, legalism, focusing, ma- majoring on the minors and, and, and minoring on the major things like justice, mercy, and faithfulness, um, being judgmental, judging people as though we were the judge. You know, when we're not the judge, there's only one judge, that's God. And there's only one who will judge us, that's Jesus and his words. And and we can't say this person's going to heaven, this person's going to hell. Uh, we, we don't know. We, God's going to judge them, and they may change 10 times between now and death. We can't say with certainty. All we can say is that to be right, this is what the Bible says. And if you don't do what this says, then you're not right. But we don't know who's going to get right, who's not going to get right. And, and there's, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven. Uh, people that we didn't think were going to be there that are there and people we thought for sure would be there that aren't going to be there, you know, and, and I'm just hoping and praying that I stay on the path so that I can be there and those that I love and those that I care about. Uh, but many things will happen between now and judgment day. So we can't pretend that we know everything that's going to happen on that day. And, uh, you know, being that God's love is unconditional, and that he showed his love even while we were sinners. Um, another verse in Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Again, they were criticizing him because he hung out with people like us. Because he wasn't afraid to be seen with people like us. So those were the three points that um, I think, I hope just help us to understand a little more about God's love, uh, it's intrinsic. It's His nature. He 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 is who He is. Uh, it's universal. He has compassion on everyone. Uh, you can't make God stop loving you, no matter what you do. 
Um, and it doesn't matter what race, what gender, what background, what ethnicity, educated, not educated, good looking, not good looking. It doesn't matter. You're his child. You're his baby. You're, you're the one he cares about. And it's unconditional. It's not only if you do what's right and only if you, even while we were lived as enemies, he loves us. So know this, be encouraged by it. Uh, 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 read over those scriptures and, and say it to yourself. God loves me. That's not being selfish or prideful. That's recognizing the truth because he does love you. He does care about you. And we have to grow in that understanding and allow that to be our inspiration to live a holy and righteous life, to reach out to others who don't know and are suffering because of their insecurities, their fears, particularly in these days right now where people are being affected in a very real way by fear. They need to know that God loves us, that God loves them. And and the best conduit, the the best speaker is the one who knows that God loves them and is confident in that. So thank you for listening. I hope this helps you. I hope this uh, is a blessing to you. Have a great day. Stay safe wherever you are, uh, whatever city you're in, whatever part of the world. Mighty Metro Region, I love you guys. And I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. And all you out there, who uh, brothers and sisters that, that are in the different states and the different countries, love you guys. Stay safe, stay strong, stay with the Lord. Goodbye.